0: This week on the nonprofit news feed, a little nonprofit news—the best news from the best sector—brought to you by well, Nick and myself from Whole Whale. How's it going, Nick?
1: It's going good. How are you, George?
0: Ooh, I'm I'm doing all right. It's October. I love this month. It's my birthday month. I also think it's the best. Uh, frankly, it's the best month in New York City, even though I don't live there anymore.
1: It is. The weather's weather's crisp, there's pumpkins everywhere, and uh, Oktoberfest is a thing in New York, apparently.
0: Uh, It's a thing everywhere. Apple picking, Oktoberfest, pumpkin spice lattes, all things that make you happy, for me. Anyway, I don't want to get lost in the the autumn romance here. What kind of news do we have for folks today, Nick?
1: Sure. So actually bringing it back to New York City, we have a story that ran from the New York Times- I'd say a blockbuster feature investigative report by the Times that found that Jack A. Brown III and other New York City nonprofit housing executives have been benefiting from the organizations they run for years. So this is a lengthy report. We recommend that everyone read it in its entirety because it's really telling. But it turns out that these folks at the top of these various homeless Organizations, nonprofit organizations that provide affordable housing in the city have been benefiting financially from these organizations for years. And to quote the Times, um, the investigation that was based on hundreds of pages of legal filings and business records and tax documents show that under the cloak of charity, executives at nonprofits have collected large salaries spent their budgets on companies that they or their families controlled and installed relatives in high-paying jobs. So this is self-dealing. This is nepotism. This is not good for New York City's um, homeless organizations. And quite frankly, New York City, massive city, also a massive homeless population. At the end of the day, the beneficiaries are totally the losers here. And it's it's really sad to see. Um, so hopefully there's accountability here. I believe that the mayor's office has announced a full audit and investigation, the results of which will be coming in the next couple months. But for now, it seems that some of these organizations are run by a couple grifters at the top, getting rich off of uh, homelessness.
0: Yeah right like allegedly as they put this out there i will say the words allegedly but it tends to be when the new york times spends this much ink on this um this sensitive a, a topic they um they've done their homework and you know i think it's a nuance here to 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 separate the fact that most of the funding for these organizations comes from the city these are city uh, state contracts to support And provide assistance to the city's homeless population, housing, supporting. And in doing so, the normal levers and the normal scrutiny of control from what would happen if they had to report more intimately to a board of directors, to a a group of donors, right, or foundations, right, that type of scrutiny that happens when people are maybe paying a little bit more attention to those 990s and where those dollars are going is just uniquely different when the majority of your donor, uh, the majority of your uh, revenue uh, comes from city contracts. And so the saying mold grows in the dark uh, is pointed pointed here uh, because all they have to do is make sure that they maintain their city contract as opposed to uh, you know, reputation with donors and, and that narrative. So, as many hoops as many nonprofits have to jump through, I think the upside is that it prevents this type of blatant, it seems, blatant fraud, um, allegedly, <laughs> in um, in these in these areas. And it's also silly because it's all public; it's in the nine ninety. Like it, it just you know, it will be found. It's out there. Um, so. It, on the other side, you know, as a, as a New York native, it's sad to see that you know institutions trusted with you know basically providing services to the most needy in the in the city are are, are run um, potentially not at their best.
1: I agree, George, um, and especially within the past year or two, when. Um, housing homeless folks in the city has been a a top priority for, you know, medical and public health reasons as well. Um, It seems to me that the, based on the article here, the problem has just kind of been exacerbated a little bit. um, Yeah, Yeah, follow
0: unsupervised, if you follow large swaths of unsupervised, like money, for whatever purpose, and you know, this is sort of blaring in the back of my mind is, I know the government's contemplating the uh, passing of trillions, um, in, in money to support infrastructure, uh, without oversight, you can, you can bet that X percent and hopefully X is small, but X percent, um, simply just won't have the eyes on it that's needed. So, you know, bravo to journalism, bravo to, uh, media organizations for overlooking it. Um, a little sad that like, yeah, it's an unfair brush to paint sometimes when you, are saying like, oh, suddenly you start to think about every like NYC nonprofit supporting and creating uh, systems of, again, support for the homeless population in New York City potentially getting painted with the brush. It's uh, it's not what you like to see, but if you follow unstructured money with less supervision, it doesn't matter where it goes. It doesn't tend to end up all hitting the mark in an efficient way. And then the downside here, uh unfortunately the, the kind of Grift self dealing nepotism and list of uh, list of issues that the New York Times pointed here
1: yeah that's great context I agree moving along to our next story this is an interesting one that I feel like George you might have um, You might have a bit to say about this, but Change.org is now being housed under a nonprofit foundation. So um, if our listeners will remember, Change.org is a site almost synonymous with online petitions, right? You go in, you advocate for your cause, Um, both you can do it as an individual, as an organization. And when the website was formed, um, it was established as a public benefit corporation. So a company, but with, you know, strict standards. Um, And now it's being fully kind of looped into um, this umbrella organization and will be wholly owned by the change.org foundation. Um, There's a lot of investors here, and it seems like they'll donate their equity back into the foundation. But George, I'm really curious to hear your take on this one.
0: I mean, Change.org has been an institution since 2007, undeniable amount of reach. And certainly, if you look through some of the case studies there, uh, a very powerful player for getting and bridging the sort of online uh, click to activation, click to activism, bridge uh, there. You know, I think one thing that immediately popped to mind were stories from last year in June, actually, where, uh, you know, it was reported by The Verge that Change.org, frankly, was accused of siphoning donations from George Floyd petition and petitions, meaning they had this sort of extra, hey, roundup, make a donation in order to help uh, continue to pr- promote and support uh, this cause and people didn't fully realize that that money was simply went to perpetuating and pushing more of the change.org platform around that issue to to frame it in that way. Um, you know they they updated it along the way, but let's just be honest. We have a uh, it was a B Corp uh, found uh, a B Corp company. We're also a B Corp here at Whole Whale, uh, but they still have to make money, and the way they were trying to make money was through uh, in part these. Uh, types of promotional donations and and being able to to ride on the back of uh, petitions that took off. Now, whether or not that was something that long term was going to get them to the type of size that their investors were hoping them to get to, it seems clear that you know about a year later after this, um, that that revenue model uh, simply may not have been able to scale. And the nuance that I read here is like, yes, it's actually like, you know, they consider this infrastructure of the internet kind of, you know, people should have access to petitions and that should be under the hardy umbrella of a nonprofit, which I love, right? Look at Wikipedia. It's an amazing resource. So in that sense of sort of public, public commons, but make no mistake, if this were a unicorn bound uh, social impact business, it would, uh, it would not be making this turn. And what's more, you know, as an interesting off ramp, Um, which I'm curious to see if it ripples more through uh, the called venture funding route is that they're donating their equity. So instead of just writing it off as a loss, you know, if, if I had invested say 10 bills into change.org as as a VC, and suddenly I now can donate that to the foundation, I can now take that as a, um, as a deduction on my, on my taxes. I'm not saying that that is anywhere in part the motivation, but as as uh, as a note, that is factually accurate. That is what can happen now when, when you do that. So I'm wondering if this is a new, if the nonprofit off-ramp uh, for public commons uh, becomes a trend. Better believe we'll be paying attention. And in that sense, I hope Whole Whale doesn't have to become a nonprofit. <laughs>
1: Great. I can take us into the summary then, our other news stories for the day. Um, We have this story out of Texas that seems like it was another record day of giving. Um, So this is, according to this article from the Nonprofit Times, the largest one-day giving event in the United States um, that had hit another record, the 13th annual North Texas Giving Day Um, eclipsed 66 million in charitable giving from more than 100,000 unique donors to benefit um, 3,300 local nonprofits. Um, And this North Texas Giving Day um, had a presenting sponsor in Amazon, which is the first time that that has happened. Um, But I think this is a a cool success story of a regional day of giving um, that focuses on local nonprofits that um, hit a high point this year, which is really exciting. So maybe this is a, you know, uh, an indicator uh, that the momentum that we saw, um, you know, last year is still continuing, but uh, kind of an interesting story for our folks in uh, Texas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like seeing, you know, these, these days of action, days of giving also localized areas where they can own it and support uh, nonprofits in there. Uh, obviously the biggest one is giving Tuesday, giving And you know, it's, um, it's great that others can spin off there, but also, you know, looking at, at trends here, uh, by the way, giving Tuesday this year, I believe landing on November 30th, giving Tuesday, the Tuesday after, um uh, sort of uh black Friday and the the various um purchasing extravaganzas that go on uh post thanksgiving uh, but this might be indicative of a trend trend going up people participating donating uh and activating around the day so up upward hopeful for your plans for giving tuesday so hope hope that's in the mix for you right now This week's sponsor, none other than Whole Whale, a digital agency helping social impact organizations build traffic and measure impact. However, they also have an amazing new tool, the Inclusivity Crawler, the inclusivity tool that helps you find language that may be offensive to some of your stakeholders and shareholders. It looks through issues of ethnicity, race, gender, health, wealth, religion, and a number of other isms, frankly, that maybe you didn't have in mind when you wrote that content last year, last two years, a decade ago, the Inclusivity Tool will go through a page or even your entire website if you need it and help you find language and replace that language with the kinds of words that will be welcoming. InclusivityTool.com. Again, that's InclusivityTool.com. Now, back to our show.
1: Absolutely. that's that another record this year. I can take us to our next story. And this is all types of fun, George. Um, there is now a game that is a play-to-earn NFT game. Now, I'm not a gamer, and I'm not an expert in blockchain or NFTs, but my understanding is that One plays the game, they can purchase NFTs within the game on the blockchain, and revenue um, makes its way to fund environmental causes. Um, And it seems here that 30% of revenue from sales um, go... To uh, fund chosen environmental causes, which is really cool. Um, so it seems like NFTs are like the the in-game transactions, um, so to speak. And um, the game is called Green Belly. And uh, I'm not a gamer, I don't know how to, how to place this game in a genre. But this is this is really cool. I, I I like this story. Maybe I'll give it a go.
0: Yeah. Again, this is not financial advice. <laughs> we are not financial advisors and i inc- here i included this because nft gaming is going to uh, really continue to increase quite significantly the concept of play to earn meaning like instead of you know crushing candy on your on your app on your phone that simply just tricks you into buying yet another upgrade or star swipe what have you um, these are dynamic games that are actually sending money back to the players, um, and it can do this and track this because of blockchain technology. And I like keeping an eye on the ones that are also saying like, hey, let's have a positive impact on the world as part of our, our marketing and core, uh, core offering. As the rising generation cares more about the environment, you see this in politics, you see this in polls, cares more about the environment than any other previous generation in history arguably how you measure it but that's really what you're seeing and you're seeing that globally so thinking about games that actually give back as part of their um not just marketing strategy but ethos and built into the actual blockchain where it can be tracked is interesting to me um it's very interesting to me um you look at some of these games and and we'll we'll continue but uh they're doing in in not this game, but others, uh, in order of billions of dollars, um, in the market of people playing it. So I'm keeping an eye on it, which means we're keeping an eye on it.
1: <laughs> we are, maybe we can, we can all play together our next whole whale company staff happy hour. All right. Our next story is about nonprofit mortgage lenders. Now, um, this article, it just kind of goes into kind of the benefits of nonprofit mortgage lenders, um, what they are and why they're beneficial, um, offers the ability for people to take out mort- mortgages with um, that may be more and more complicated, time-consuming or expensive, were they to do so from a private lender. And this article is just um, essentially... Um, praising the kind of growth in the nonprofit mortgage lending space because not only does it provide capital to people um, looking to invest in, in real estate or, or work on developing um, real estate projects, but um, the, the, that money is going back into the community. And when you borrow from a nonprofit lender, um, you're helping strengthen their mission um, to kind of continue uh, community growth and development. So an interesting article here.
0: Yeah, I just think the I really like it when I see nonprofits and involved in uh, in lending in financial uh, in financial markets because there's no question is like they're not beholden to shareholders they're not going to necessarily like bundle sell resell and package your um, your loan fifty times over. What's more, they can also put their finger on whether or not they want uh, uh, to give discounts to let's say, uh, low-income individuals or uh, a certain population that's underrepresented in financial markets. They have the ability to do that and uh, create types of incentives, especially with the amount of money you know, sort of sloshing around out there, the uh, the rising cost of homes. Uh, I like seeing nonprofits involved there in control of financial markets. I think they're good stewards, actually, in that respect. And by the way, remember that old word, transparency. um Last time I checked, I couldn't see the sort of open 990 of a, of a Fannie Mae. That, oh, I guess they're a publicly traded company, but it's just so much more info from the, the nonprofit 990.
1: Absolutely. Uh, maybe 2008 would have turned out differently if there were more of these lenders there instead of so many predatory ones. All right, George, shall we move on to our feel-good story?
0: I'm so excited about the feel-good
1: story. All righty. Here we go. This story is about the Wyandotte zombie pub crawl, which, George, is the largest zombie pub crawl in southeastern Michigan. Now, this pub crawl, coinciding, of course, back to our fall theme, coming full circle, um, Halloween this month, um, and the proceeds from this pub crawl are going to go to help two nonprofit organizations called Be Well, My Friends, um, as well as um, to help uh, downriver people um, and organizations that need assistance in the community. So helping out um, folks uh, marginalized in the community, as well as for... Um, health and the organization provides um, biannual uh, breast screenings and free mammograms to uninsured women. Um, so I'm all on board. Let's let's yeah. do it. The nation's
0: eyes are certainly on Y dot here. This is a pivotal this is a pivotal news story. I'm glad you brought it to our attention. Uh, also, and I want you to take this thought with you uh, as you go into your planning. For Halloween. It is one of the most underutilized holidays for fundraising for nonprofits. There is so much opportunity if you think about the ability to talk about costumes for a cause that could present opportunities for people talking about uh, your issue, your local issue, because guess what? Your neighbors are being more neighborly and, and more supportive of each other than at any other time for any other holiday. The only Real anchor, I'd say, that is UNICEF and the trick or treat little boxes. I'd say for this is a non profit way capitalizing the attention you, you want to keep learning more about these so topics much there others, for costumes, door to Door awareness, for fundraising, for giving, to keep for learning with us. Thanks as always to Greg underutilized. for his not, tunes that God. underwrite our tracks. They're, They're fantastic. fantastic. Hope you do love, love it, Greg. I agree. And just a reminder, are we planning a trip now to southeastern Michigan? let you listen, nothing. Makes me happier than to crash so and, and subscribe and maybe the, even a comment because um, like the important events you. going down in Wyandotte. Um, albeit I'll, I'll I'm not maybe interested in um combining pandemics with zombie crawls, a little too on the nose for me, so I'll uh I'll pause on it for this year, earmark it, um, put it on the calendar for next year. I hope this has been helpful. As always, nonprofitnewsfeed.com is where you can get the weekly email links and summaries to stay on top of the best news from the best sector. Thanks, Nick.
1: Thanks, George.